You're listening to today's inspirational message on pursuing God with Gene Apple. Here's Gene. Well, we are literally counting down the hours to the launch of Easter at Eastside. You can find all the locations and service times at eastside.com. This week is a special Holy Week edition of Pursuing God as we walk through some of the significant moments in the life of Jesus that culminated in the events on Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Often I'm asked, of all the places I've visited in Israel, of all the places where you can walk where Jesus walked, what is the highest impact for me? And it's a good question because there's always so many good places I find impactful, like the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed in that place of crushing, like being on the Sea of Galilee, which was a site of so many teachings and miraculous moments, or on the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, there's nothing like having a communion service at the Garden Tomb and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus there. But if you pressed me, I would have to say that consistently the most moving place I've visited in Israel is the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. And and that surprises people because we don't think of that as one of the significant places in the life of Jesus. After the the betrayal by Judas and the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was late, it was dark, it was chilly. And Jesus is brought into the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. Peter is following, the Bible says in Luke 22, quote, at a distance. That's interesting, isn't it? The one who left boats, nets, his dad, a fishing business, who left it all to follow Jesus, is now following at a distance. And gradually he enters the courtyard of Caiaphas where a crowd is gathered. And eventually Peter sits down with the guards to see the outcome. Think about that. He kept his distance. Then he moved slowly inside the courtyard until ultimately he's sitting down and warming himself around the fires of Jesus' enemies. And as the fire crackles, the servant girl seems to recognize him and says, Hey, you were with Jesus of Galilee. And Peter gulps and says, I don't know what you're talking about. And to escape the heat, Peter heads toward a gate. And another girl says, hey, hey, that guy was was with Jesus of Nazareth. But, But Peter says, I don't even know the guy. Peter begins to sweat. A third time a group comes to him and says, surely you're one of them, one of the disciples of Jesus. Your accent, your Galilean accent is a dead giveaway. And Peter starts cussing, letting loose a string of expletives in hopes of them thinking no follower of Jesus would ever talk like that. And evidently it worked. His deception appears to satisfy them. But just then, just as Jesus had predicted earlier that same night, a rooster crows and Peter realizes the magnitude of what he's just done. And he runs outside and the Bible says he weeps bitterly. The message version of the Bible says he cried and he cried and he cried. He's just done what he said he would never ever do. This brash, boastful Peter, the rock, is now reduced to a pile of failure. Now here's a question I bet you've never really thought about. While this dramatic scene is going on with Peter in the courtyard of Caiaphas, where's Jesus? He's been arrested, but where is he? What's he doing? 
Judas has betrayed him. Peter has now denied him three times. All the other disciples have completely abandoned him when he needed them most. So where is he? Where is he being held? This is the surprising thing about the house of Caiaphas that makes it one of the most moving spots, at least for me to visit in Israel. Deep down in the lower levels of the house of Caiaphas is a prisoner cell hewn out of bedrock. It's a sobering insight into where Jesus most likely spent the night before he was crucified. It has become known as Christ's prison. The only access to the cell was through a shaft above so that the prisoner would have to be lowered and raised by means of a rope harness. Every time I'm down in that cell, in that pit, hewn out of rock, I read Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is a prophetic psalm that's believed by most Bible scholars to be a prophetic psalm. So I want to read it to you now. And I want you to imagine that you are Jesus in that cell, deep in the earth. Peter has denied you. Judas has betrayed you. The disciples you've invested three years of your life with have abandoned you. And out of Jesus' mouth comes this agonizing prayer from that dark pit deep in the ground. Psalm 88. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like the one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I, I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your tears have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Those words rip my heart out every time I read them with a fresh awareness of the road to the cross that Jesus was walking alone.
He endured isolation. He endured betrayal. He endured abandonment. He endured denial and darkness, he says, was his closest friend. Why would he endure that? So that you and I wouldn't have to. Like Peter, we are the ones that fail. Like Peter, we are the ones that sin against him. Like Peter, we are the ones who make promises and break promises. But Jesus endures so that people like Peter and people like you and people like me can be redeemed, forgiven, and made new. Let's pray. God, I am just struck in a fresh way, even reading those words again of what Jesus carried and what he endured and how when he needed others the most, darkness was his closest friend. Thank you that he did it for me, for us, for everyone listening to my voice right now. God, what a, what a love, what an amazing love And as we think about what's ahead of him in the coming hours, as we think about tomorrow, acknowledging and remembering Good Friday, speak to us. Overwhelm us once again, God, with the depth of your love for us, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Tomorrow is Good Friday. I hope you can join me.